Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. That deserved to be a goal just to absolutely <laughs> slaughter you. <laughs> <laughs> of 20 Minute Tim's The Flagship Podcast. I'm your host Jamie, joined by Stephen. How's it going? And Melly. Yes. And we are back with another Flagship Podcast following Celtic's 1-1 draw in the Glasgow Derby. And I must admit, on the live preview show that we record, or we do live rather, we don't record it before every single match on patreon.com slash 20 Minute Tim's, I was feeling up for the game. I thought Celtic had one more fight in them. I thought that the removal of the manager, the two weeks preparation, the stuff that John Kennedy was saying, I, th- I felt it was a calmness in our approach to this game. And I genuinely thought Celtic would get something out of it. I didn't think they'd get much. I thought it'd be a win, 2-1, whatever. Um, I, I, I thought the performance was encouraging, Melly, but at the end of the day, all that matters is the results and we didn't get it again, did we? No, we didn't. It was, compared to the rest of the the Glasgow Derbies this season, it was a much, much better performance from Celtic. They were this the best they've been this season, but at the end of the day, it wasn't good enough. It wasn't good enough. We weren't. We made the same mistakes we've made this season. Four goals conceded against Rangers, all from set pieces, and it cost us again. It's it's quite strange. I think this is maybe a first. We sit here after a Glasgow Derby and there's it's it's kind of a, a weird sort of not really knowing what to say, deflating feeling about it because Almost everything that happened in that game we've seen over and over yeah. this, this season. We've mm-hmm. seen Celtic play some nice stuff and I did think they played some nice football yesterday. But the same problems just reared their heads again. Failure to finish off chances because there were enough chances to win that game and failure to deal with set pieces. I almost said that sentence with a straight face but then I caught myself laughing <laughs> because we are sitting here once again talking about set pieces and that's that's incredible. We'll obviously get into this but we, if we're talking about our concerns our feelings going in something we did flag up on the previous show on Patreon was that this team just still haven't learned how to deal with set pieces and no. I believe that they're working on it I do believe that I think that it's something that they'll have drilled over and over again because how could they not how could they fail to do that after all the criticism they've faced over it but I think the only thing that's going to fix it now is a complete clearing of the decks. And I'm talking yep. coaches and pl- we need new players in, and we need new coaches in to deal with what's going forward. I think this team appears to be not so much broken, but kind of in the death throes of this season, maybe going through the motions a wee bit. And I don't know if 
we're really going to see all that much different from them in the last in the remaining five games of the season. I think it's really all the habits, all the bad habits of this season, they haven't been eradicated. They've maybe been quelled ever so slightly, but they're still there. They're still bubbling just under the surface, and we saw them all again. I just wonder if we're a, we or me, I was asking too much. You know, I mean, asking too much to rule out, to improve upon everything and remove all the mistakes because that's maybe what it's going to take to beat, hmm. to beat. Well, it's obviously what it's going to take to beat Rangers. We need to improve in every area of the pitch and rule out the mistakes we've been making. Uh, but again, I was I was encouraged by John Kennedy's approach. There seems to be a calmness about that. Like, all the drama's gone now. There's no drama. Everything's dealt with calmly the way he talks to the press he talks through what he's trying to do he instills a confidence in me as a supporter and I thought right we've got a good shout of getting this because we don't want them to end this season invincible we want to take that off them we can't let them have it I'd looked at the previous two games we performed well at Ibrox I kind of I'm happy to write off the first Glasgow Derby at Celtic Park because we had to cobble a team together so I thought this is probably our best chance to get some off of them and open the stages of the game, I thought the first half we just absolutely controlled it. I thought Brown was great. I thought we were getting so much joy doing that left-hand side. Our left-hand side, their right-hand side. Obviously, Melly, something that John Kennedy had identified. For the first time in a long time, it looked as if we approached the game with an actual plan. Yeah, that's what I was encouraged about. From the off, looking at it, it's always when you get to this game, it's usually the team that have won the league go out and dish out an absolute pace into the team that's in second place. It's very, it's rare that you can get the odd time you will get a victory, but when it was that bad for Celtic, it's it was always unlikely. But I thought Celtic improved in a lot of aspects of their game, and as you said, that right hand side because Balogun's in, uh, in there instead of Tavernier who's injured, he's a centre half playing right back, so he'll naturally tuck in and he won't give you that width. So Celtic exploited that. Now right now we don't really have the players to exploit it better than we. We could have because Laxalt's not really that forward-thinking a fullback. We we played a diamond instead of having somebody out wide. But I thought we we had a game plan and we stuck to it. And there was wee bits and pieces where I thought wee bits of interplay where I thought Do you know what that looks like it's been worked on rather than just putting the players on the pitch and hoping because they're decent players they can pull it off. I thought there was some good stuff going down that that and wee triangles in with that diamond. But at the end of the day, we were let down by the things that have let us down again and. Getting the goal to go ahead was a big a big boost, but then I think when we let in that goal from a set piece, it just sucked the life out of the team a bit and it took them a wee while to recover from it. I'd be interested to know if that Patterson had some sort of knock going into the game because he is their usual kind of backup right back. He's been playing a lot in Tavernier's absence recently, but he was on the bench. So I wondered what was the plan with that going in, Balogun, because we know, we've been over it so many times, we know the threat that comes from Rangers fullbacks and the the width and the attacking prowess and the assists, the, the, the goals and assists have racked up between them. So it's a big part of their style of play. So he just shunned a centre-half in there. I thought, we, we, we talked about this in the preview as well, I thought that, well, that's a big mistake. Gerard has been known, as much as the narrative has been that he's got Celtic's number and has had for a couple of years now, he has had some major mistakes in mm. these games before. I, I think back to the one where in Cham scored the winner at Celtic Park when he stuck Lafferty on the left instead of Ryan Kent and Ryan Kent was completely anonymous in the game there was the one more recently than that when he played five central midfielders or something like that yeah. something crazy and, and failed to get anything at the game and going into this game I thought along similar lines I thought oh that's that's his mistake here so I'd be interested to know if it was a tactical thing or whether Patterson wasn't fit enough to play for whatever reason because as I say he was on the bench so uh, I think it was a glaring 
weakness in the team and Celtic really made it count in that yeah. first half. Not so much in terms of, you know, we eventually drew the game, but in terms of the territorial advantage down that side, they really made Balogun suffer. He's never a right back in a million years and he, he certainly didn't look it. This is what I thought about Celtic going into that game as well. You know, I have a lot of faith that these players, they, they're just, oh, aye, they've had a bad season, they've had a bad nine months, but these are the same players that have put a lot of hurt on Rangers in the past. You know, they've got the ability and there's some... Eli Anoussi in particular up front with Edouard, I thought that was terrific. I thought the way they they attacked the game, I thought they were a really dangerous combination up front. Probably the best forward pairing that we've had this season, probably. I'm just trying to rack my brains as I think about whether or not I've seen better performances. So, so I knew we had it in us to, to get something in this game. I'm really just bitterly disappointed that we couldn't get it. We couldn't get it over the line. Some of the players that phrase again. I haven't heard that for a few weeks. I, I know. And <laughs> some of the players I, I kind of felt didn't really turn up. I mean, there's question marks over John Joe Kenny. Laxalt was okay. I, I was getting super frustrated with Ryan Christie again, and it's all this our decision making, Melly. You know, back to the back to the issues that have faced us all season, and maybe we are asking too much for this get deleted in, the, in just a couple of weeks under John Kennedy. But the decision making in the final third at, at times, I'm thinking in particular McGregor when he should have cut it back for Edward mm. to just blatant goal, open goal there. There's just there's just too much damage being done now. I think to expect John Kennedy to turn it around. Yeah, I think you're right. It's been. It's been a long slow burn for Celtic, hasn't it, this season? Slow burn of pain and it's not going to get eradicated in three weeks, whatever John Kennedy's been in there. We've got players that are not selfish but have probably become quite selfish in the fact that they haven't they haven't been working on patterns of play in that final third that allow them to open up teams. We keep speaking about it, taking these low percentage shots. Like Callum McGregor, is he going to beat Alan McGregor in the form he's in right now from there? No, no. You're, you're not going to beat many good keepers from that, that side. So we have to make better decisions. There was a couple as well when Laxalt was guilty of it a lot. He gets himself into decent positions, but he can't make his mind up whether to cross. Or there was one he could have played it into Edward. There's a few from Edward as well where he's, he's just wanting too much time, too many touches on the ball instead of being more ruthless and more clinical. And going forward... Like Celtic in this game, some of the play was encouraging. Now, by my reckoning, that possibly seven out of the eleven players in that starting lineup won't be there next season. So maybe we're we're worrying about that. Are we going to get the performance here? But I think we did off most of them. But still, if some another manager comes in, what I'm trying to say is, if another manager comes in and can make these players make better decisions. We would have won that game yesterday. We probably yeah. would have got something out of the game at Ibrox to drop. Give up seven points to Rangers in three games where you've barely had a shot on goal. Okay, the first one, but it was two goals from uh, set pieces. But in the last two games, they've barely had a shot on goal. They barely ripped us open and they've got four points out of it. And it's all just down to the simple things. If we tighten up at the back and make better decisions there, but also if we can make better decisions in the final third and get players into better positions to score, we can beat them. And this is what I was saying, Stephen, before the match. Look, we've we've just not turned up this season. I don't think that Rangers this season compared to Rangers last season are this magnificent world-beating football team that, that mm. and, and and we are just utterly terrible. But we have been we've had so many issues this season that are so deep-seated that it's just almost impo- impossible to eradicate them. And I'm just bitterly yeah. disappointed about that game yesterday. I'm bitterly, <laughs> bitterly disappointed because we showed we showed. Glimpses of the team that we used to be. Yeah, that's you're absolutely right. It is bitterly disappointing because as much as they'll 
well, probably a lot of people will just be relieved that we didn't lose the game, myself included. When you see going into the game, I was kind of dreading it until they had a bit of a you know, tumultuous week for a number of the wrong reasons after their European game. They've been in the headlines for for some terrible stuff, obviously not entirely, well, not uh, their fault at all. of some behaviour in the, the game that we'll maybe talk about because there was a big gesture from Brown at the start of this game. There was obviously all the racism stuff, but I, I mean, more specifically that they'd lost a game for the first time in a while and I thought, right, well, that's maybe taking the edge off their confidence a bit because I was concerned going into this game that they were just brimming with confidence, absolutely flying. They'd already clinched the league. Celtic are in bits and can't mm. seem to even score. They can't, they can't put the ball in the net, never mind pick up any points. So I was dreading it and I was glad that they didn't lose it. I didn't want to lose at Celtic Park. I didn't want a number of things from the game, but unfortunately we did get uh, several of them, including having conceded another set piece. But I came away from that game thinking, Celtic just seemed to be a bit of a kind of nearly team this season. Mm. Like, that is their, it's their ninth league draw this season. You don't draw nine league games by accident. That just seems to be part of the makeup of this team. They just seem to draw an awful lot of games and they played nice stuff there. I don't want to be completely down on it. Knocked the ball about in a really quite attractive manner. If we've already mentioned there. I was very impressed with their approach yeah. of the game. Turnbull as well. Turnbull is, is really, really capable in tight areas. Nice touches as well. But I was kind of putting in mind of that. Do you remember the, the Hibs team from the kind of mid to late 2000s? The chat about them at the time was that they played the best football in the league. Yeah. You know, I think probably Mowbray, running about Mowbray, John Collins at the time, they, they played some good stuff. But I remember at the time thinking, I but they're like seventh in the league. Do you know what I mean? They, they play an mm. awful lot of good stuff, but they seem to be very ineffective. Celtic are nowhere near that level because they're second in the league, but I just feel like they they seem to have a bit of a soft centre and, as I say, they're just a bit of an almost team this season and I feel like that's, that's kind of the story of it. It's, it the problem Celtic have got, obviously is putting the ball in the net. And the problem Celtic have got, aside for that, is keeping the ball out the net. That being said, I thought Mo Elianusi took that goal really, really well. I thought it was great by Edward, that, that, that pairing I mentioned earlier on. Brilliant cross in, diving header for Elianusi. Surprised me. The goal surprised mm -hmm. me a wee yeah. bit. It, it was a terrific finish for Elianusi. And when that went in, I thought, because we'd had so much of the game at that point, I thought, this is it, man. The floodgates are going to open. We get two, it could be three, it could be four. This is this is the marker I'm looking for, Melly. Yeah, it was a great goal and it's one that really impressed me because it was quick, it was out to McGregor, ball down the line for Edward to run in the channel and none of this 20 touch from Edward, he gets the ball out and gets a first time cross in, left footed and that's what creates the opening here, it's quick, it's incisive and Celtic failed to do that further on in the game. Good for Melly Nussi, he's mentioned before that look, I'm good, I'm good at heading but people just seem to think I'm not because he's not a mm. big guy or whatever but he's scored he's a four good this season, Four headers this season, that's yeah. more than, that's twice as many as Ayer's got in his entire Celtic career. He's only got two and El Yunusi's got four this season. I think it's just because he, he doesn't look like a good header of the ball. So I think that's maybe, that's maybe playing into it. It seems like a sort of wee stocky guy rather than a no, traditional number nine. Yeah, you're right. And he, he could have had another one in the second half, but it was a decent yeah. save from McGregor. So he is, he is good at that and... I hope people start to see that. I think that's him in around about 15 goals this season and he's not been consistently in the team. He's not played in a consi consistent position. So if we could maybe get him next season and like that, I was, I was glad he got him? the goal. Oh, there's, 100%. Been of, there's been a lot of talk about about mm. the fact that he's not in the Southampton plans and the fee was between 5 and 10 million. Obviously, it's a, going to be difficult to understand what our summer budget's going to look like. I expect there'll be money to spend if we're getting a new manager in and so many players leaving. I think it'd be unthinkable for Celtic not to invest in the squad next season, but he's a player 
we, we saw him last season, Melly, really good player. He's performed fairly well this season, given the circumstances and the performances of everybody else around him. Do you think there's? Do you think it's a no-brainer keeping him on? Yeah, I think it's as close to a no-brainer as Celtic are going to get right now. We've seen in the transfer market, we don't do well. So getting him in 15 goals this season when he's not been great, Celtic have been terrible. Again, if we go back to it, Celtic's problems are solvable. So if he can get somebody that comes in, makes us tight at the back, and somebody that can get players into positions where it's better to score... I think a, man, a good manager could get 20 goals out of Moel Yunusi, where yeah. he's playing in the left or he's playing just off the striker. I think a new manager coming in would probably play a, about wide and it's a pretty much a guarantee for Celtic. We know he's going to be a decent player and we can get goals out of him. And if Celtic in this state can get 15 goals out of him, a good Celtic team could get a lot more out of him. Well, what I would say about the idea of no-brainers and bankers when it comes to recruitment is that, you know, careful what you wish for. Not everyone is completely sold on El saying You don't have to be. You don't, everybody doesn't have to agree on it. But what we've seen this season is that a similarly divisive player, Jeremy Frimpong, has mm. gone, right? He's been sold. And I understood why that had to happen because it was a lot of money and he wanted to go. Neil Lennon told us bluntly he wanted to go. So that's absolutely fine. But he goes out the door and he's replaced by a guy who's nowhere near as good as him. Despite the fact that Jeremy Frimpong maybe wasn't the most consistent or most popular player, miles better than John Joe Kenny. So yeah. if you're trying to minimise the the risk in bringing in players, if Moel Yunusi, given what we've seen from him so far, is available for decent money, I think it's as close to a banker as you can possibly get. You know, with every transfer comes risk. But if we've, as Melly said, if we've got a guy there who's capable of scoring 15, 20 goals a season, if he was played in a consistent position. And I'm less concerned about that now because I've always been a fan of him out in the left. I've never really been a fan of him at the point of the diamond or as a kind of auxiliary striker as he played yesterday. But I thought his instincts looked a lot better against Rangers. His goal in particular was... You can see his run. He's in the dead centre of the goals. That This is where the goals come from. I'm in the yeah. dead centre of the, the, the posts here. I'm going to score goals. So I thought his instincts looked a lot better in, in teaming up with Edward at times as well. So I'd be all for bringing El Unice in on a permanent basis. Especially with especially with so many of our good players leaving. Especially yeah. with the likes Aye, of probably yeah. Edward on the way out. You want to try and hold on to as many of these guys as you can and keep a bit, one, a bit of continuity to, and two, he's, he's a quality player. Speaking of Edward, um, dive for me. <laughs> the, the penalty incident. I, mm. When I saw this first time, I jumped in my seat and thought, oh yes, right, oh yeah, referee. I thought it was a penalty, right? And then I saw the replay and thought, oh no, nah, no, nah, that's kind mm. of a dive in it. And then so many people said there was a stonewall penalty and so many people seemed keen to John say... John Kennedy oh, said it was a stonewall penalty. Yeah, so did Scott Brown and, and yeah, Martin O'Neill, I think, as well, in the, the coverage. That I thought, right, I, I couldn't have been paying attention. I must be wrong. So I went back and saw it. I've seen it every angle. And I, just, I still just think, nah, it's just, it's just a bit of a dive, isn't it? He's just kind of dived over the challenge. Wrong. I thought he got his touch wrong. Mm. Sees the Rangers player comes in. He's doing that, what, what they like to call it, anticipating contact. And, and, yeah, and Andy Walker favourite. <laughs> well, it was funny. I was watching the game and Andy Walker was criticising Edward for doing it. And I thought, Walker, you've got a cheek. You've got a, Every time this happens in a game, Walker's, Walker for the past 20 years on Sky Sports has been Mr. I'll take a dive. I'll Aye. dive no bother. It's part of the game. I'll do it. And then Edward does it and Walker's getting his wee schneb in there. Um, <laughs> dive for you, Melly. It's a difficult one. I don't think there's enough contact to go down. But at the same time, yes, there is contact. And I kind of have to look at it in the context that Willie Collins, the, the referee here, 
he gives out penalties all the time, he even when he doesn't see them. And that one's right. Involved. And and when you see Barisic as well, his feet are off the ground, he's reckless, he does make contact. Whether it's enough for Edward to go down or not, Edward will probably tell Kennedy and Celtic boys that there was contact and that's why they're saying it was a penalty. But again, as well, I can't help but think if it was up the other end, Rangers would have got that penalty. Uh, I'm not even convinced there is much of a touch. I think I've seen a still photo of it that looks as if his foot is brushing his thigh or whatever it is. But from experience, I don't think much can be taken from still photos of these incidents. It could very much be just the angle of it. I've listened to all the arguments for it. And believe me, I mean, I wanted the penalty, but I just think I, mean, I try and be objective about these things and I can't really see it as... John Kennedy said he's a goal scorer. Of course, he's going to stay up if he can. But I'm like, well, I know. Well, I, I, yeah. Is Neymar a goal scorer? Is Luis Suarez a goal scorer? Because they all go down looking for penalties as well. So I, I don't think th- these things are pretty instinctive. If he, he's maybe seen, as I said, the, the challenge coming in, you've, you've called it avoid or anticipating contact. He's maybe just seen that coming in, expecting to be hit, and he goes down. It's, it doesn't have to be one or the other. I don't think it warranted a booking for diving for a start. Yeah. But that doesn't mean I think it was a penalty either. It's um, I think like if there's no contact whatsoever, and I, I, as I say, I'd be perfectly willing to hear that there was contact. If Melly thought there was, his, his point of view is perfectly valid as well. But you can't really give out a penalty on this. I but if he hadn't jumped, then he would have been fouled because that's kind of that's right, a bit of a chaotic way to open up the door to penalties being given for any sliding tackle that takes place in the box because you could just go down and say. Well, I was anticipating contact or I had to avoid the challenge there. So, no, I, I, I didn't really see it, to be honest. I, th- I thought Colum was was terrible. Colum was just a laughably bad referee again. And it, it takes a lot for me to come on here and talk about how bad the refereeing was because I feel like I'm just so used to it. I'm so used to Scottish mm-hmm. referees being terrible that I barely notice it. It's like a fish probably doesn't really know it's underwater. It's just surrounded by it and it just gets on. <laughs> I feel like that's my equivalent. I'm just I'm just so used to Scottish football, or Scottish refs being terrible, but I barely comment on it. So it takes something extraordinary for me to be like, here, yeah, the ref was terrible. Larry. Story of the season. I feel I say this every time we watch Celtic. You know, we, we, we said this after the Dundee United game, that, that that game encapsulated Celtic season. We just rolled over and got our bellies tickled and, and bellies rubbed in and then we, we lost the league at a whimper. This game, again, had all the elements of Celtic season in 90 minutes. It had the wastefulness up front. It had the moments of sublime skill from Edward and Elianusi. It had textbook Dago Laxalt. It had textbook John Joe Kenny. And it had, of course, Melly conceding a goal at a set piece. Yeah, and it was a shocker as well. Again, I'll say it, look, Rangers didn't rip us apart. They didn't get the no. corner out of going down one side and somebody making a last-ditch tackle. It was John Joe Kenny playing this wild ball back. It's, it's a Celtic Rangers game. It's a derby. Just just empty it. Just put it out the side of the pitch and get back in. But trying to play that pass back to Bain, it, it was nowhere near him. And as soon as they got that corner, I just got that feeling that, oh no, that was so daft. And in this season yeah. of all seasons, Celtic could get punished here. And there was a lot of chat as well about uh, at half time about the big debate about and after the game putting a man on the post well yeah put a man on the post if you want but if they get people in the box do their job you don't need a man on the no. post you're, statistically you're more likely to win the ball with the man off the post in the box mm. trying to win headers yeah. that's more likely to stop the ball going in the back of the net and look Rangers are quite a big big physical team they're but bigger than us anyway because they had the three centre halves at the back and Barisic is good delivery it's a good ball in and Balogun out 
gets ahead of, I think it might be Iron, Iron Brown or the sort of ones yeah. in that zone. But when the ball goes to the back post, John Joe Kenny lets Morelos run off him after yeah. making the mistake of giving away the corner. And then as soon as Morelos tips it, and you can see his head in his hands. I know Neil Lennon spoke about it a lot, but that is just one person, one individual error that has cost Celtic in that game. And it seemed to suck the life out, as I already said. Just that one year. They have not been in this game much at all. Celtic have been decent, verging on good. And then all it takes is one of our players giving away a daft corner and then giving away a, letting somebody run off them. And Rangers are back in the game. If Celtic had been able to keep that lead and stretch it into the game, Rangers may have tired out and it would have been better for Celtic. But to give it away so close after we got ourselves in the league was just daft and completely typical of Celtic again. And it just confirmed what I already knew. John Joe Kenny's not good enough for Celtic. It was interesting a couple of weeks ago we had the fan media press conference and John Kennedy was there and he was asked about this by me, about what we need to do to perform better at, at set pieces. And in a set piece in particular, it was all there, Stephen. The, giving it away cheaply, so conceding the corner cheaply through a mistake. The worst, the worst, yeah. so, worst yet, yeah. Scott Brown no winning the header, so letting Balogun get the flick on. And as Melly said, Morelos peeling off to the back post, which John Kennedy said after the game was something Celtic knew and had drilled. So it was <sighs> it was drilled. But John Kennedy said at that fan press conference, and it's it was quite interesting to me having a look at it. He thinks, it was a couple of weeks ago now, so I'm paraphrasing, but he thinks that one of the issues at set pieces is one, we, we've not been working on it enough or we do have worked on it the wrong way or whatever. He's, the working on it is something we have to do, right? But he also said a lot of the time it comes down to the profile of player that you've got. Mm. And that profile of player is, I suppose you could label them aggressive aerial ball winners or aggressive defenders. And when you're looking at our team setting up for a corner kick, we've got Bain in goal, right? He's not going to come, he's not going to come and clear house like Fraser nope, Foster no. used to. We've got Ayer. Okay, Ayer's aggressive. He attacks a ball in the air. Welsh, so-so, Kenny, nah, no. lacks out, no really. We've not got any murderers, is what I'm saying. Scott Brown <laughs> is, is okay, that's probably why he was in the area he's in, because he's willing to put his body on the line to try and win it. But looking He's just no squad, six foot three, Steven, Scott Brown, is the, yeah. the problem there. That yeah. it's, it's not necessarily his fault. that He got himself a bit lost when he was tracking Balogun, because he got in front of him and then bounced off another player and kind of fell over. The, the problem is... For some reason, we'll get a guy like Scott Brown picking up a, a huge centre half as he's getting but a runner into the Kennedy box. John Kennedy touched on that. Yeah, you're spot on. John Kennedy said, you don't have to be taller or stronger than the guy. You just yeah. need to think about how you're going to defend. So somebody might have four inches on you, which was obviously the case. John Kennedy <laughs> says, in that case, we, 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 he goes, in that case, what we do is we practice and not let him get a run on us. Or we have to be more physical before yeah. the ball comes in. So we're failing at these things we know we should be doing. But I thought it was interesting that, that John touched on First name terms of the selling manager here. Um, <laughs> I, I thought it was interesting that he touched on the profile of player. And then when you're looking at that, they're all wee boys in that box, Stephen. There's no no killers. No. And, and that's probably and why we brought problem. Duffy in. But the boys have a nightmare. <laughs> well, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Shenanigans <laughs> Duffy is nowhere to be seen. <laughs> that, that's exactly what I was thinking when you were talking about that. This was He was the no-nonsense guy that he was supposed to sort this out. He was the guy that comes in and just cleans up a dirt and heads the ball at the halfway line at these set pieces. But unfortunately... It has not worked out like this at all. And this is what I said at the top of this. I said, I can believe they're all, they're drilling all this. They're drilling it to yeah, death. Yeah. And they're working on their, their setup at set pieces. Of course they are. Half zonal, half man marking. We've been told many times by Neil Lennon at the time. But I think I have to 
imagine that it's the psychology of this team Mate, is just you beyond know what repair. The is, don't you? It's not the like you're putting it politely by saying the psychology is beyond repair. What we're really talking about here is a good old fashioned Scottish word for shite bags. <laughs> yeah, I, they don't want I, to go I, and put their face where it's going to hurt. They don't want to make sure they're not getting bullied off Morelos. They don't want to get stuck right in. Scott Bain yeah. doesn't want to fly out and try and clear clear across because he's afraid they're yeah. all too soft. There's something they're not able to recreate in training and drills, and it's the old the old story about how you know you can you can practice penalties all you like, but if you're standing there in a World Cup final with the whole world watching, it's totally different. There's nothing can prepare you for that. But for some reason, Celtic have becomes so fragile that a basic set piece in a, a Glasgow derby, which admittedly is a big game, but come on, we, we need to grab the nettle here, take the take some kind of advantage and try and beat them. As soon as we're lining up for a set piece, it's almost like we think, oh, well, here we go. That, that's even at the other before side, they even take it. Even yeah. at the other side, when we have those corners, we had 10 corners in that game, even at the other side, you're not looking at this going, oh yes, come on, big man Ayer's going to stick his head in the back of one <laughs> no, end. Do you know what I mean? You're not, you're not thinking, we did have that, at the beginning of the season, Shane Duffy scored a couple of goals for headers, for corners. I think, right, that's that's. But we Julian, don't have a th- Julian, yeah, 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 yeah Julian. Boxes, yeah. Yeah. But we don't have a threat in either box, either to attack or defend these set pieces. And you're looking at it going, you're right. It's almost Stephen. Like there's nothing that can be done about it, because mm. what you probably would do in training is look at someone like John Joe Kenny or look at somebody like Stephen Welsh and go, right, we need to toughen this boy up. So we're going to stick him on the class bully. He, every corner drill, he's marking the class bully. Our problem is. We don't have a class bully. We we don't. No, and it's it's something I worry about up front as well because did you see the gold Lionel Messi scored recently? Uh, I think it was in Europe, and Joe Cole described it as having been scored with violence because yeah. it looked like Messi just get fed up with this. He get tired of this shit and just smashed the ball home. Mm. And I think, why have we not got that as well? Why have we not got a guy who just aggressively just wants to kill the other team? Yeah. And I'm not talking. I'm not talking about going to elbowing people. I'm talking about just. Like, Leave an Edward, impression on the park Aye Edward taking that touch At the penalty incident Is probably an example of that Just run up and belt that in mate we, yeah. we know you're a good enough player To stick that in the top corner From that position So I just wish we had a wee bit more Of that killer instinct I realise that it's, it's probably a bit silly A bit fanciful of me sitting here And wanting players To be something they're not But it's something the team Needs to be Rather than individual players And that's why we need (laughs) We need new ones basically But we need to find that Killer edge from somewhere Because we've just not got it And it's Keep drawing games Through not being able to One, keep the ball out of the net But not being able to score At the other other end And for a Celtic team In Scotland Not to be scoring enough goals Is You know That's unforgivable Does this come down to Losing players And not replacing them With the right Like Johnny Hayes right We've had our thoughts On Johnny Hayes In this podcast but by all accounts, the guy was an animal in the dressing room. You know what I mean? He was a real competitor. Michael Lustig, real competitor. Now, these guys reach the end of their usable life as Celtic players, but they move on and we replace them with, I don't know, soft boys, BOI. <laughs> yeah, I suppose you're right. It's something we've spoke about all the time. Like due diligence on players, Celtic, at the start of the season, Albion Ayeti, and he's, he's nowhere to be seen at the weekend. Must be an attitude problem because he was training on Friday. But when you were talking there about players willing to be aggressive, violently putting the ball in the net, and then you talk about not replacing players, it just immediately sprung to mind. Remember the goal at Ibrooks? Ball comes over from the corner from Scott Sinclair. Moussa Dembele, a goal down, just controls it, lashes it home with his left foot into the top of the net. That's exactly what Celtic are missing right now. Somebody to go and do that. And when you look at the profile of this Celtic team, that team out there, 
it's all cobbled together, isn't it? It's two guys brought in on loan just because they were available at fullback. Stephen Welsh is in there because our centre half's injured, and the other one we brought in is an absolute disaster. Scott Baines, a a backup keeper at best, but he's in there because the guy we brought in is a disaster. You get a thirty-six year old in midfield with no real replacement for him. Ryan Christie's out there and he's not really doing anything. But who are we going to bring off the bench to replace him in central midfield? We've literally got nobody. David Turnbull maybe tires and you bring on Tom Rogic. Like it's just a team that's just looks cobbled together. The the dying embers of the nine in a row, the treble quadruple treble team, just the ones that are left here and it's not good enough. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves. Feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. As far as the performance goes, first half was a lot better than the second half, wasn't it, Millie? Oh, 100%. It's the same thing we've seen again from Celtic all season. We've mentioned everything else, but the the downturn in performance in the second half is quite stark. And I was having a look tonight, like, when did we last score in the second half? And it was over five games ago against St Johnston before we, we last right? scored in the second half. It's not good enough. We just tail off so badly and the chances created aren't... We don't create as many chances and mm. the players don't look as fit. And another problem we had at the weekend there was looking to the bench, like who's going to come on and change it? It was only James Forrest, but where do you fit him into a four four two diamond? You don't, unless you're Neil Lennon and John Kennedy, and you find a way and bring him on. The subs again were weird, and it's just a, it just shows for Celtic that all the wee things that have been wrong with Celtic, they all add up and they all cause these results that have happened. But it's not as if they're big things that can't be fixed. Set pieces can be sorted, fitness can be easily sorted and finishing can be sorted so there is reason to be 
optimistic, but it's just a club like Celtic with the standards and professionalism we should have. We shouldn't be going into every match thinking we need to be 2-0, 3-0 ahead going into the second half because we'll tail off. It's embarrassing. Aye, the, the intensity in the second half was kind of exhibition level, to be honest. Yeah. It was a bit a bit meh, just a, just a bit of a nothing second half. And Sorry, but I don't, I don't want to come over all die here, right? But for a Glasgow derby, admittedly one that's at the end of a season and there's not a huge amount to play for in terms of where the, the title is. Well, there's nothing to be played for, in fact, for the, the destination of the title, yeah, of course. You're right, right. You're right to say there isn't a huge amount, mate, to be played for. <laughs> but, but, but there's still stuff to play for. And for a Glasgow derby to peter out in that manner is, again... Un- unthinkable going in because we were all up for it we're like we've got so much to play for we can take away their invincible tag uh, we can make them vincible instead of invincible yep. we can cut this points tally down for a start because it's still sitting at 20 and I'm deeply unhappy with that to be honest like, I'd quite like uh, a single figure tally at the end ambitious I know but we- that was another missed opportunity for there to just sort of dwindle away an opportunity like that is just it's very, very un-Celtic. I don't recognise this from no. yeah. previous seasons at all. It's really just, they're wearing hoops, but I can't understand the mentality of this team at all. And this is why I call them just, not only a nearly team, just self-centred. And, and I know Scott Brown's in there like, trying to keep up standards, but there's only so much he can do as well because he has, he has an ailing influence in terms of his, his ability on the pitch. So I don't know how you fix this unless it's just wholesale changes at the it club. Is. It is, it's culture, it is, it's, it's everything needs to go and, and I don't want you to be sitting here not being ridiculous about it but I, I described a previous derby this season as one of the most embarrassing I've ever seen because it, it, Celtic just looked soft and I'm not talking about being Roy Keane or anything and going out and just claiming, just taking bodies and names out there mm. but a bit of fight, a bit of urgency, a bit of will to win the game but there was nothing We spoke about this after Dundee United game did any of those players look that they left absolutely everything on the pitch? It's become, no. and you said that a couple of weeks ago as well, Steve. You're like, the expectation levels we've got of this team are so low now. <laughs> They're just so low. And yeah. and you're looking at that, Mel, and you're going, these are mostly the same players that used to slap about Rangers every time they came across them. These are mostly the same players that even just rewind into the last season that strode this league. And now these are same players look as if. Oh well, well, that attitude yesterday in the second half to me was kind of like, oh, well, at least we're not losing. God, we're not losing this game. Do you know what I mean? Like it's a draw, and it's it could be worse. That's kind of like. And now, don't get me wrong, I don't think that's what, the attitude of John Kennedy. I don't think that's what he's instilling in those guys. John Kennedy's getting some amount of stick, the new right. I'm not really sure what people expect for the Celtic assistant manager at the moment. To be quite honest with you, now he speaks well. And you touched on it last week, Stephen. He seems to be getting criticised for speaking well. Well, at this point, I'm not sure yeah. what you want because we had Neil Lennon on it and every time he opened his mouth, people would call him embarrassing. Now every time John Kennedy opens his mouth, people goes, ah, he speaks well, but kind of in a snidey way. Um, no. John Kennedy, for me, seems to know what the issues are whenever I hear him talk after the game. He seems to be trying to calm things down, get back to strictly business, strictly professional. He's not ranting and raving about players wanting to leave and linesmen and decisions. and He's not doing all that. He's just saying we need to work harder. And that's fine by me. That's fine by me. But one thing that I just don't, won't ever understand is this apparent lack of application we're seeing in these games, Melly. Mm. Because Rangers were there for the taking yeah. yesterday. We showed it in the first half. Why? How do you know going at this? How do you know going at half time on an absolute high? Going, God, 
you know, we've actually, we've murdered them this first half. We've got this game by the throat. More of the same second half, lads, on you go, go get some, but it comes out the second half and you're like, it's like one half's enough. Like, oh, we'll be putting a good first half, so that, that'll, that'll keep the fans off our back for a wee while. Yeah, we've seen it so many times with Celtic this season, that second half, you're waiting for that re- reaction. If we're a goal down or a draw, or we maybe feel we should be in front. Right, let's go out and really show what we can do. If we've not seen it at all, I can. We've had what one half against Hibs where we came out at Celtic Park and beat them. Was it three 0 I thought, oh, that was a really good second half. I think Tumble came on at half time, but very rare as this team come out and just had a reaction second half and what do you know what we'll show you what we can do because they don't have it in them. They simply don't have it in them. Neil Lennon, he got criticism for it. Now you can say John Kennedy, yes, he's he talks a good game, but you have to apply that in the game as well. And he's there to coach the team but he's also there to motivate them I just don't think he's really got that within him and that's why you have different different coaches to do different things but at the same time with John Kennedy while I think he speaks well while I think he's trying to solve everything I think there was good patterns of play in the second half when it comes down to his management to try and change the game he simply couldn't do it the substitutions were baffling and they completely lost control of the game Celtic towards the end because he was putting players on in positions that simply aren't capable of playing and then bringing on guys like Lee Griffiths and Tom Rogic like they're not exactly bright sparks that are going to grab the game by the stuff of the neck they seem to lack a bit of bravery here and I'm not again I'm not trying to make this a kind of da comment here but what you're saying about Kennedy's management really um, rings quite true I think we did Rangers had they made four subs by the time Celtic made any changes something like that so, was it three okay so they're bringing on fresh legs and they're trying to change things they're trying to take something from the game and we're kind of just dithering about just seeing how things play out a wee bit but when I say things like bravery Again, it's no. It doesn't have to be blood and thunder. Let's just run over the top of them. Let's just put a marker down, all that kind of stuff. Because what we saw in the first half was that Celtic, with their approach, managed to intelligently and in a measured way contain Rangers with yeah, a yeah. a kind of controlled press on them in certain areas that cut down on their short passing. And they ended up had to go back to McGregor and just boot it long on a, a couple of occasions. Right, so that's working. Make it count. Capitalize on this in some in some way. But we just don't get it. And I, I I don't know. Kennedy has to take his share of the blame because I think there's there's an awful lot of Lennon in him now. It just seems to be a continuation on from that with one or two tweaks. But I don't know if it's all Kennedy's fault because, for example, say Kennedy had taken over from Brendan Rodgers, do you think his plan would be, well, I'm going to play like Neil Lennon would? He would put well, no, in this. But no. do you know what I mean? And but that's kind of what I was continue- thinking when, when you were talking there. Like, Kennedy's been given Neil Lennon's Celtic team and has been more or less told, carry that over the line at the end of the season, mate, we'll, we'll ah, see yeah. what's happening. So he's no really in a position to make... This, to me, isn't so much an addition... It, it kind of is an addition for John Kennedy to get the Celtic job, that's fine. But I don't think it's a, 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 a real look at what John Kennedy, the football manager, would ever be. Um, no. And I don't think he's... I, I don't even think he's in the running for the Celtic job, to be perfectly honest with you, nah. nor nor should he be. But he obviously does want to be a manager in his own right. So, he, you know, this this is probably... I would be surprised if he was still here next season. So this is probably a taste of management for him. He's still no lost a game. He, he conducted himself fairly well in this game, but at the end of the day, we still never won it. Um, no. it's, it's been, though, four weeks since Neil Lennon resigned or was sacked or whatever you want to call it. And that came months too late. That came yep. many months too late. 
and we still don't have a new manager. Now, mm. now there's talk of directors of football, head coaches, restructuring, big summer. Where's that talk coming from? Because it's not coming for the club. So <laughs> no. it, we, as far as the club are concerned, as far as the official communication for the club's concerned, as us as fans, the Celtic manager gets sacked four weeks ago and we're still without one and we don't know when one will be in the door. I don't think that's acceptable. Get on with it. Get on with it. Get the guy appointed. If you need a director of football in there, get the guy up. These people aren't, you know, if there's a guy that wants to be director of football at Celtic and he's wanting that Man City under 23s, that's not a difficult contract to get somebody out of. It's not, that can't be onerous. If that's the man you want, go and get it. And if there's a problem, you say to him, look, we've been without a manager here for four weeks. We've got the Scottish Cup. We've got the summer to prepare for. We've got next season's qualifiers that are going to come like that. We need you in ASAP. I just think we're, we're back to this accepted level, Stephen, that you talk about. The levels are so low. Yeah. Celtic, the new Celtic manager should be here already. And if, I if he... I disagree with that. Why? Like I said, look, depending on what you're getting, by all accounts, it looks like it's going to be a director of football coming in. So if that's the case, then he has to come in first. So when you work from that way, if it is going to be Fergal Harkin, who in all likelihood it will be, He's, going, he's at Man City. Why is he going to leave Man City in March to come in here a couple of months earlier? He's got a good job because at Celtic Man City. Celtic have got a job to do, mate. That's, yeah. Celtic have got a job to do. We, we Celtic mean, can't... He has to drop everything for that. Uh-huh. He's got Aye, a job absolutely. at Man City. He's got a job at Man City. He's got a contract there. He can't just walk out on them and burn you bridges don't walk with Man it, you City. Don't turn your back and, no, he's not going to... Nobody's asking him to walk out and burn, burn these bridges. But Celtic Football Club don't put their business on hold because there's a guy too busy with Man City under 23s. That's madness So what do they do then? Just go in and get an inferior guy because he's available right now? No, you have to wait oh, well, I, don't, I don't think that. To be honest with you, I'm not too hot in the appointment of Fergal Harkin as it is anyway. I don't think he's a Premier League level director of football. No, I, I, I don't. Man City are probably the best run club in Europe right now. In fact, they are. They play the best football, get the best manager, the best youth system. We're never going to get Man City's director of football. We're never going to get somebody the equivalent of that. So we better not just plucking somebody from Man City that works within all all this procedure and taking them to Celtic and saying, make us a mini Man City. That's what Celtic should have been doing all along. I don't see how we're going to get a Premier League level director of football. We've tried that with Nicky Hammond, tried that with Lee Congerton. It's not worked. What we need is a holistic approach from somebody that's worked at a club similar to Celtic and take that from there down. Now, if you're talking about... But why we need it four weeks maybe, four weeks ago we needed a new manager months ago but we didn't do it and this is what happens you get yourself into this situation you have to get the guy you want in if Fergal Harkin's the guy they want and they have to wait till the end of the season then so be it because what what can he do right now he's not going to come in and buy players straight away that's not going to happen he's not going to get a manager straight away any manager coming in probably won't want anything to do with this season. They want to come in at the end of the season and just have a fresh start. They won't want to come in and have five games against the top That's five not how big teams. clubs operate. That's not how big clubs operate. I'm really sorry, but no other big club in Europe would say, oh, let's just let this shit heap of a season pass before we bring our new guy in. That's not how big clubs operate. Celtic done it when they brought in Brendan Rodgers, Ronnie Dylock, say at the end of the season and brought a yeah, manager they, what, in and he yeah, sorted what, it out straight away. Yeah, but what they didn't do was sack Ronnie Dyla and have John Kennedy in charge for months. And, and I honestly don't think it's reasonable for Celtic to wait until the end of this season because they can't get a guy out of a Man City under-23s contract. I just don't think that's... I think Celtic are dragging their heels on this, is the point. And I think the way big clubs operate is they go out and get their new manager. I, I, it's, I can't think... Maybe you've watch more international European football than me. 
how what is the longest you can remember an interim manager being in charge of a big club for? Because we're approaching a month now, and there's talk that we are just going to let this situation slide to the end of the season. So that would be what two that was all two, the time. Tell me something. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer came in at Man United much earlier than this and then get the job at the end of the season. You see it all the time. I don't see why a manager would want to come in and have his name tainted with this while he was the manager. I don't think it works like that. I think if you know if Celtic could get a Celtic need a manager in now. They need right. a new manager in. So it's, he's, he's not going to be tainted with like the season's done and dusted, the league's over. He's not going to be Celtic, tainted with anything. If you, your your main target is you want Graham Potter, so Celtic going to go to Graham Potter here. By the way, see how you're at Brighton right now, and you've got a relegation battle, and you, your team needs you. Just leave that because we need you right now. No, he's going to say no. So mm. and there could be managers Celtic want who can, won't take the job to the end of the season. I don't see what I'm bringing in a manager right now is going to do. There's going to be such a turnover of players that he's going to know who the good players are. Martin O'Neill came in at the end of the season. Brendan Rodgers came in at the end of the season. It rarely happens at Celtic or any other club that a manager comes in with five games left in the season. What, what good would it do? Brendan Rodgers, when did he come in? February? Uh, start of February? We're in March now, nearly the end of March. What good is it going to do? Exactly. So there's such a big job to be done that if Celtic are saying, we need a director of football before we get a head coach in, we need the director of football in now. We need him in now. Just so because it's not prep. announced, but doesn't mean they haven't. They've. All, I know they've been looking for people. I think they've got the man they want. It doesn't mean it's not happening. We'll just have to agree to disagree. I personally yeah. think that this situation has gone on far too long. Um, it seems that Celtic are a. In my opinion, Celtic are a big club, and what we're doing now is we're waiting on the S. We're waiting on the rugby union to let our new CEO join us. We're waiting on Man City under twenty threes to let our new director of football join us, and we're waiting on some bum club somewhere to let our new head coach I mean were they back in the queue with everything here what, Celtic need to flex their muscles a bit here Celtic have got a, a job to do and I'm telling you right now there are managers that would good managers that would step into position just now I'm not saying that we go and we ditch our whole plan if there is one because we can get somebody tomorrow but I'm just looking at the Celtic situation and I'm thinking the same heel dragging behaviour that kept Neil Lennon in a job for far too long that's no change we're still seeing it yeah, of course, We're still seeing it, but the reason Celtic are in this position is because they dragged their heels so long and left Neil Lennon in charge. So why, if when they sacked Neil Lennon and they thought somebody was good enough, they they got them in then? They would have got somebody in months ago if they were available. They simply haven't because the pe- people they want aren't available until the end of the season. You can't expect three, four people just to dominate a guy to walk out in his contract at the Scottish Rugby because. We need him now. Can't expect Fergal Harkin to walk away from his job at Man City because we want him now for a couple of months. People have got contracts, they've got jobs, they've got procedures they need to go through. I don't think it works like that, mate. Brendan Rodgers had a contract at Celtic and he joined Leicester at the drop of a hat, so it can't it can be done, Stephen. <laughs> there is that, but say for example, Graham Graham Potter was to leave Brighton with a handful of games to go or whatever it is, eight, eight or nine games to go, then he would be. It would be a rat walking into Celtic from from the word go. I know the the fans wouldn't look at it that way because it suits us for him to to come in. But I just I don't think managers really do that. Well, I think only if Graham there's an Potter's opportunity a very for them. Specific case though, isn't yeah. he? Because he's involved in a relegation battle. We're looking at the likes of Enzo Maresca, who's the favourite. No, I think if if there's an opportunity for the manager to come in and do something with it, then they will look at that. Just like Brendan Rodgers had at Leicester, he probably took that as an 
an okay run of fixtures towards the end of that season where he could come in and have a look at the squad. But if you're looking at five games, and I agree completely that this is Celtic's fault because they've let it go to, when was it, March, February, by the time Neil Lennon left, and it's too late to really do anything like that. I don't think it's too late to be putting in a director of football, and we may well see that in the, the very near future. But in terms of putting a manager in place at the moment, I, I don't think it. I don't think it would happen like that because you've been crushed. You, your spirits have been crushed because it wasn't probably. so long ago. <laughs> you were talking about how we need to get a new manager in and, and allow him to prep for next season. And it was me sitting in this chair saying it, Brendan Rodgers only needed a summer to reverse Ronnie Dyla. We've completely switched positions on this. Funnily enough, but the more I'm, I'm looking at it, I'm just going, "Why are they, we're, we're sort of operating off a of fumes here? The club have not told us we're Aye. getting a director of football." The club have not given us an update on the search for a new manager. We, we don't know what's happening with the contracts of these half the players. We're just assuming Edward, Edward's going, I know you don't always find that out, but we're, we're operating in a vacuum is the point I'm making. And it's been a month since the Celtic manager was sacked and that was two or three months too late. So I just don't see any change in, in behaviour. And Would you take, like, so let's talk about the guys that are in the frame for it. Enzo Maresca, we've done a really good podcast on Enzo Maresca. We looked at his career from a data and analytics point of view and what that podcast was was part of something we're calling Project Rebuild which is a series of special feature podcasts looking forward to Celtic's rebuild next season. That's all available on patreon.com slash 20 minute Tims. It's going to be running from now. It kicked off last weekend with a profile piece on Dominic Mackay featuring a journalist who's worked closely with Dominic Mackay for 10 years. So a good insight into how Dominic operates and what sort of skills he's going to give and bring to Celtic. All of that is available. Check it out. It's our pinned tweet. All the details are there. Check it out. Patreon.com slash 20 Minute Tim. So let's look at the, the top names linked with Celtic at the moment are Maresca, Jesse Marsh, and let's just say John Kennedy for talking sake. Those those mm. are probably the three front runners. Do any of those excite you, Stephen? Yeah, um, I'm very much on board the, with the Maresca thing. I know that it doesn't tick all the boxes available to, to most people because they will want... Well, a certain a certain element of Celtic fans will want a more established name and someone who's. I mean, there will be people out there who will quite like the idea of a Roy Keane coming in and really sorting out the dressing room. You know, holding people up against the wall with their throat and all that. And oh, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, is that is that a good position to be in after this no, season? No, well, right. not, Roy, not I didn't even me. mention Roy Keane because they don't want to jinx it. <laughs> See, see the thing with Roy Keane is I'm not I'm not going to sneer at people for wanting a guy like Roy Keane in because we've all been through a pretty traumatic season here and for some people it will be a case of turning to a guy like Roy Keane and being like oh, please that's a big tough man who's going to come in and rescue us right I, I'm not going to sneer at people for wanting that because if that's how you want your football to be managed like, for a, a guy to come in and lead with discipline and all that kind of stuff then that, that's absolutely fair enough I can only speak from my own point of view and, and say that it's as far away from an appealing appointment as I can possibly think of and I love Roy Keane I think he's absolutely great he's one of my footballing heroes but a manager abs- absolutely not the reason I bring him up is because Enzo Maresca represents the mirror opposite of that for me he, he is a guy who appears to be on the way up in his coaching career. The way I'm choosing to look at it, and I realise that not everyone will be the same, the way I'm choosing to look at it is like, what if Enzo Maresca becomes a successful manager somewhere in the next three or four years? That's just going to be another one we missed out on. You know, and it's it's like the Ronnie Dyla thing we've been over before. It didn't work with Ronnie Dyla. Relatively successful in that he won those two leagues. But I think over the piece, it wasn't the right appointment. But that doesn't mean the idea was wrong. And I think... 
again, the way I'm choosing to look at it is if Celtic have found a gem here that we can prepare for the next level. And I'm not talking about developing somebody else's coach for down the line. The way he's going to be successful and go to the next level is if he's a success for Celtic. And that's that's good for me. If he comes in and revolutionises the club, and as Melly alluded to, or rather said earlier, why can't we try and adopt a kind of mini-man city here? If he's hugely involved in that and he's been very successful and his coach is under 23, I'm all for that. I'm all for finding the next guy. If he's the next Pep Guardiola, I want in on that action. I want in yeah, on that on the way up. very highly rather. regarded. Very yeah. highly regarded at Man City, at West Ham. Robert Snodgrass was on the Sports Sound podcast, obviously former West Ham. Is he still a West Ham player, Snodgrass, aye? He's on loan, I think, aye. Yeah, aye. he's rattling about somewhere, Snodgrass. Aye, still yeah. kicking the ball. Majorly talking up Maresca. Majorly mm. talking up Maresca. I'm on, I am on board with, again, with, with a slight hesitation um, due to his lack of managerial experience. But if he's coming in as part of I a package... If he's coming in as part of a package and the structures there, then that makes that makes sense to me. So it'll be it, it'll be interesting seeing. I was being slightly facetious, saying we're operating in a in a vacuum as far as the Fergal Harkin thing goes. The club are obviously not going to come out and say we're going to go and get Fergal Harkin, but there's no one really. It's it's all over Twitter, and the rumours are that it's ninety percent done, and Fergal Harkin's going to be announced in the next couple of days, and all that sort of stuff. I just do feel we need to get a wee bit of a move on with it. Um, Mel, you done the Maresca podcast. John Kennedy, I or no, do you think he's even in the running? No, I don't think so. I think it's hard to say because what Celtic fans think and what we think is completely different from what the Celtic board thinks. So you're always going <laughs> to have that worry that they can just go ahead and give John Kennedy the, the gig or go, do you know what? I'm uh, Mr Desmond. I think I'll give it to my mate Roy Keane. Or I'll go and ask Martin O'Neill for advice and uh, he tells him that Roy Keane's the best man for the job. I hope it's taken away from that side of it and it's a footballing decision made by Celtic. And I think Maresca is the way to go. Somebody like Maresca, Eddie Howe would be my number one choice, but I'm not really sure he'd, he'd come now. I think if that was a possibility, he would maybe come in a while ago. But with Maresca, I think it's the ideal way. Be a mini-man city. Him and Harkin, if they come as a package and they've got everything ready, Harkin potentially bringing people from the data and scouting side of Man City as well. So that could be another reason because he has to replace all these people that he's taken with him. So I think if we can do that and become a bit more holistic in our approach, because the way Maresca plays, it's, it sorts out a lot of the problems Celtic have had this season. It's all about the coaching. What Celtic need is a, a good coach to come in there and get these young players playing well and bring in some players as well. Bring in some young, hungry players because we've seen the guys are now, they've just not got it anymore. People will be listening to this and, and thinking, why are they talking about being a mini-man city? We are Glasgow Celtic, no, we shouldn't be copying things like that. Right, I, I get that, right? But I think that's mainly a perception thing because if we were on here talking about being the next Ajax or Barcelona, people would be like, yeah. ah, you know what, that's that's yeah. probably a good idea. So Man City aren't really the traditional model that people want to emulate. But I don't think there's anything wrong with that because you said it Melly earlier on, they're one of, if not the best run run club. They've got an awful lot to be envious of out there. And I don't think it's it's a, sh- a shame or anything to be looking at a club like that and thinking, do you know what, we well, can be a, we can have a piece of that. It's inherently risky though. You know, Man City run the way Man mm, City yeah. do because they have unlimited money. And if you're trying yeah. to copy that on a much, much, much reduced budget, it's a very difficult thing to do because there are things mm. out with your control. I suppose that's true, but at the same time, look, Man City should win 90-odd percent of their games. Celtic should do that. They should be looking to play the best football in the country. They should be looking to bring in 
the best players and developed players as well and sell them on and look Man City we can people can say oh, well, I don't want to be like them but at the end of the day look at the good players we've got off Man City we got Jeremy Frimpong for 18 months who was a nobody at Man City hadn't even had a sniff of any first team action and we sell him for 12, 12 million pound after 18 months there's good players out there in these teams as well we certainly so, have good connections with Man City that's for sure you know the, the yeah. moment, even going back years we've been getting players from Man City yeah, and a lot of people are uncomfortable with it because of the Peter Law and Peter Law's son working there. But as I said, I don't think there's a better club in the world that you could be have that sort of relationship with than now. They aren't a traditional juggernaut, as Stephen said, but look at the way they run, all the whole structure, right the way from top down to bottom. If you watch the All or Nothing, you can see they want to be the biggest club in the world and they're on track to do that. So there's no reason why Celtic shouldn't be the biggest club in Scotland. And when we're looking at Celtic, we don't want to just dominate Scotland because we've done that, but at the end of the day, it runs out because we weren't being run properly. We want to do well in Europe against Celtic. We're going into this. This will be, what, the fourth season that we're going to try and qualify for the Champions League. Celtic can't afford to be out of the Champions League that wrong. We can't afford to be going into the Europa League and getting absolutely drilled off nomads, really. Celtic should be competing in Europe. We need to get back to that, and we need a structure to do that. We've done Scotland, but is that enough? No. Got to go in no. Nazareth. <laughs> um, I thought Jesse Marsh was quite cute. Um, mm-hmm. Saying it would be an honour to linked with this, to be linked with the Celtic job. Saying it was interesting, very interesting for me because I don't think there's any way in God's green earth that Jesse Marsh is going to end up as the next Celtic manager. Well, he said as much a day later, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, but I think maybe what he was doing was letting other clubs know that he is available for appointments. Um, he's probably going to end up the Bundesliga or somewhere, isn't he? Aye. Yeah, and you had a wee sneer at one of my managerial candidates a couple of weeks ago, Jamie, and he's just got a job in the Bundesliga team in the Champions League, Borussia Mönchengladbach. So. Zabi, you talking about Zabi Alonso? Yep, yep. Aye, he'll be out of a job in six months, mate, if you think. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> um, I'm still sticking by Graham Potter. That's my pick. I've, I've not seen, he's not actually been linked. What if he um, relegated? Doesn't make him a bad manager. Doesn't make him a bad manager. It's a, that's a provincial club. He's a good player. The king of XG, as somebody <laughs> called him. That kind of reminds me of another one who's been linked, but I just don't see it happening. Chris Wilder has left Sheffield United mm. and he was kind of briefly linked with the Celtic job. And Neil Lennon's was even heavily chatting. linked with that job. I thought that would be bizarre because Sheffield United, yeah, they're going to get relegated this season. They're absolutely terrible and they've wasted a lot of money on terrible strikers, right? And they've got this... The combination up front of Oliver, the, the twin Olivers, Oliver Burke and McBurney. Oh, goal up front. So no, they're, they've wasted an awful lot of money. But... Just last season, Sheffield United were one of the more tactically intriguing teams that have yeah. been in that division for a long time. So Chris Wilder was doing a really good job. And the the thing to remember here is that wage bill is almost everything when it comes to the level you're playing at. And yeah. they're operating at a level of wage bill that is half of the league average. Their average wage is half of the league average. They're on a hiding to nothing. They're obviously going to get relegated. There's only so much a manager can do about that. I don't see him going to Celtic because, one, I don't think he's particularly keen on the director of football thing. And two, he's a little bit Brexit, isn't he? Chris Wilder, yeah, he's, he's a, a little bit, bit Brexit. There's loads of managers now, apparently. Sean Dyche. Take care. <laughs> He'll be bold at Burnley. He can't be doing that Burnley thing for far too long, except he's on mega bunts at Burnley, isn't he? Oh, aye. He I, I think he's famously on lots and lots and lots of cash. He looks like a guy who enjoys cash. Um, <laughs> or did you hear, was it John McGinn that slagged him? Yeah, Diverging wildly here. Uh, Sean Dyche said, called him crap or something. 
And John McGinn went, you've been here for six years and you've only bought one coat. <laughs> I slagged him for having this. <laughs> you've, you've had that same shite coat for six seasons or something like that. <laughs> um, to, oh, and finally, just to wrap up, the fixtures have come out, the post-split fixtures. This is your last chance, ladies and gentlemen, to see Odson Edward, Christopher Iyer, Scott Brown, many of these iconic Celtic players in a Celtic strip. Livingston, Aberdeen, the Huns on 2nd of May, St. Johnston ending this miserable season domestically rather league season against Hibs final game of the season we've got the Scottish Cup to look forward to as well it's quite a tough run of fixtures for Celtic in any given season but in this season Celtic I think will really struggle with these games it's quite congested at points as well with the Scottish Cup being in there so look, this is a chance for the players in John Kennedy to show they have something but we just need to hope five games that Rangers lose one and we've got a chance to dish that out so we need to take it Another couple of draws in there, isn't there? Another oh, couple of draws taking oh. us into double figures for the season, edging towards Tommy Burns' level of, level of draws for a season. So more opportunities to get them and end up about 25 points behind by the end of the season. Hey, and finally, I just want to wrap up on this Scott Brown thing that we alluded to earlier on with Glenn Kamara. Um, mm. Glenn Kamara was racially abused by that Slavia player. I won't believe otherwise. 100%. You see the video... Aye. None of it makes any sense. The Slavia stories don't make any sense. Calling them you fucking guy or whatever their story was, it, just everything about it that you can you can clearly see was definitely racially abused. Um, and you just don't you just can't tolerate that in football. And it doesn't matter what team these people play for. And it doesn't matter what their fans have done in the past. It doesn't matter what their managers done in the past. You you stand up against this sort of stuff, whatever it is. So. It was absolutely the right thing and I was really pleased to see Scott Brown going over to Glen Kamara in the warm-up. I was pleased to see Celtic stand side-by-side side with Rangers um, before the game. So, yeah, I think we conducted ourselves with a lot of dignity there. And also, forgot to mention, Stephen, no guard of honour. Terrific. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that silliness was dealt with by John Kennedy. Now, and we, I don't know why I ever hear about it again, this guard of honour piffle that we've had to deal with in the last few weeks. I, I appreciate that it wasn't helped by Neil Lennon bumping his gums about it in previous seasons, but one thing is for absolutely sure, we don't need to deal with his bullshit anymore. So, John so we don't need to pay attention to it. John Kennedy said it best. They didn't do a guard of honour for us and it's the same players you're asking to do a guard of honour for them. So Aye. the answer is no. Simple. So there you go. Easy. A, th- a, a final thing on the, the Scott Brown thing. Yeah, there was, there was a, a, a very nice gesture. And what I liked about it as well but is it. Uh, just the right amount, it an element of Scott Brownness about it as well, in that it was well done, but no mockish. It wasn't like mm. a kind of really over the top gesture for the cameras. It was in there, got your back, mate, and then straight back out again. Because it yeah. looked as if Glenn Kamara thought he was going to get a wee stop and chat, and Scott Brown was like, kind of, no, look, mate, we're not going to be pals about it. We've yeah. got a job to do it's here. But just to let you know, uh, just to let you know, that, that was out of order. I'm away back to my work. Uh, I, I quite liked how it was handled. And on that, we shall wrap up another Celtic podcast in the can for this miserable season. We never banked on this, did we? We never <laughs> banked on this. Although, got to say, I'm looking forward to revisiting the old, uh, the old bold predictions. Just something tells me, Jamie might have got a few spot on once again. Broken clocks right twice a day, isn't it? <laughs> I think I've got a couple in the balance as well. Yeah. I think I've got, I'm, I'm close to getting one or two right, but we'll revisit that when the time comes. So on that, we shall wrap up. I just want to say thank you so much for listening. If you want to support this podcast, if you want to enjoy the Project Rebuild features that we're doing, we've got more coming out this week. Head on over to patreon.com slash 20minutetims. Melly, would you like to say goodbye? Goodbye. Stephen, would you like to say goodbye? Goodbye. Thanks for listening. Hold up. 
Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com.